Hello and welcome to the 361 Podcast Season 10, Episode 5. My name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. And I'm Ray from the All About Sites. This week we're talking movies and the star turns played by mobile phones. We nominate some of the best and worst examples. And we talk about the ways you can get films and TV on your mobile devices. Thanks to our friends from TigerMobiles.com, we've got a fantastic prize if you sign up for our exciting new newsletter. Welcome back, chaps. Hello. Good to see you. Exciting. Rafe Blanford, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm raring to go, full of energy. You look tired, Rafe. Uh, well, me. actually, I am a little bit, but the concern, it, it gets me right, right here, Ben. Thank you. How are you, Ben? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's good. I got a letter this week. Ooh, exciting. I know. What, from a listener? No, I, oh. no, I got a letter from EE. Everywhere, everything. Everything, everywhere. That's not, they're they're just EE now, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And you remember that I have a very fond relationship with EE because I like to complain about their advertising when it's misleading. Mm. And I like for the Advertising Standards Authority to find me correct and tell tell them to have to withdraw their adverts. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that's good. And I got a letter from them this week. But actually, not not about that. I've actually got it. I've actually got it. Now, for those of you not maintaining an active interest in my personal life, I've been working away from home for a little while recently, Mm -hmm. and uh, that has involved me. Well, I've rented a flat because it's nicer than living in a hotel. Very nice. It's all very exciting. Mm -hmm. And that flat used to have EE providing some internet and uh, telephone services. Oh, yes. So who do you get yours from then? Plus net, I think. Okay, so right. Just a corporate deal, basically. Fine. So it was sorted out for me. But the point was that there was a whole bunch of correspondence sitting in the post box when I, when I moved into this flat. And I thought, I'm a jolly nice person. What I'm going to do is I'll return it all to the places it came from mm. so that they know they've forgotten to set up redirection and yeah, they've forgotten yeah. to change their address. So I did that. I think he's leading up to a shocked and saddened and no, annoyed. No, I just I got, this, sorry I got this letter. amazing. Go letter. So I got this letter back from E that said, "Dear Sir or Madam, thanks for returning our correspondence." Oh, so you sent back the whatever they'd sent? Yeah. So I had an E bill for yeah. the previous owner of the flat, right. and I thought, well, oh, that's non-specific greeting there. I'm sad that that person's forgotten to change their address. And it's going to matter to them because this is like their it's this is their telephone credit ratings service. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I said, I'll send it back. So I sent it back. They said, "Thank you for returning our correspondence. That's good so mm-hmm. far." Yeah. Sorry to learn you're still. Receiving mail for one of our customers. So am I. So, so far, so good. To enable us to stop sending it to you, please could you send us your postal address and copies of bills in your name? Hang on a minute. You'd like me mm-hmm. to post you information that would allow you to commit identity fraud if it was used inappropriately just in order to stop receiving somebody else's mail. So I've decided not to do that. Did you tell them to? No, I just haven't responded. I was amazed. I've never had. That is shocking. Well, I just, it's not kind of particularly offensive because I'm just not going to do it. But I've never had a contact from somebody else's service provider, you know, asking me to jump through that many hoops. That is terrible. That's so terrible. So EE can go away. I don't like them. No. Just wow. Well, for all that excitement of getting a letter to your... Exactly. And I thought, you know, wow. perhaps they've written to apologise for all those misleading adverts. But no. So there you go. That's a little bit of excitement in my life for mm-hmm. Rafe anything with you how are the bees they're doing okay they've Mm. been swarming recently which isn't great news which Mm. means their hives are a little bit too full at the moment but have uh, managed to catch both forms and get them into new uh, hives so so far how did you catch a swarm yeah let's be having you they end up they they buzz out the hive in a big cloud and they settle down usually on a fence or tree and then you basically wait for them to settle down you have a member of your staff it's a good idea to wear a a protective suit then you just brush them off using (laughs) you say get out of here beats you know a feather or something like that put them into a a box or a bag what the bees 
you put them into a hive. Yes, you know, actually they're quite docile when they're swarming because they're basically in big clumps. Right. Um, so it's actually not that difficult. You wow. do have to watch out if you accidentally cut off the branch and it falls on the ground. They do tend to get quite angry, so don't do so that. So don't do that. Wow, I yeah. feel informed. There we go. So let's do the listeners, I'm sure. This week's beekeeping special brought to you by Ref Method. But in terms of exciting things... Oh, oh sorry, yes. sorry, yes, yeah, go on. Uh, I've installed Flux on my laptop recently. Now, this is a handy little utility that essentially adjusts the colour temperature of the screen based on the time of day. And the idea is to cut down on kind of some of the blue light that will keep you awake at night. Now you can also get this for your phone as well. The first time you switch it on, you think something's gone wrong with the laptop screen because the difference is very noticeable. But the more you start using it, the less it becomes. It's oh, that's a great idea. Background and it helps you sleep better at night. You get less eye strain when using a laptop. So thoroughly recommended. How much was it? It's a free utility. Oh, I'll go and get that. Yeah, that's cool because I, I have to say I work quite late at night often with my laptop. So yeah, me too. Uh, that's interesting. Of course, you don't want to do it if you're involved in graphic editing or something like that. You perhaps don't want to use it because it's going to ruin the mm. the colours. But if you're just writing text or because we tend to be like working on documents emails. or something like that or emails, yeah. Mm. Grant, Mr. McLeod, right. My one is actually it's a thing of the week for uh, Rafe. Oh, go on then. Right. Okay. And it's uh, it's called Massage. Right. This already uh, sounds dodgy. It's an app. Right, because okay. I think Rafe needs a massage. He does look stressed. That's what I'm thinking, right? Yeah. And uh, Rafe, with this, you can book a massage therapist to come to your home, your office, or your hotel room, even. Right. Still and, sounding dodgy. Well, no. Uh, you can actually choose what kind of massage you want. Sounding dodgy. <laughs> stone, that kind of thing, right? Right. And they'll come to your flat. So, Blanford, yeah. I think I can actually order one for you. And I think it might be quite nice and relaxing. So this is like Uber for massages. Yes, very smart. I, so I can have a stranger come to my house and, and put hot stones mm, on you. I'm not seeing that being particularly relaxing. I mean, yeah. one of the reasons I get stressed is because I get these helpful life inputs from you. And, <laughs> and, and Rafe would prefer it if they did hot concrete. Anyway, we've discussed this in previous episodes. Absolutely. Okay, so this week, what are we talking about, you, McLeod? We're going on movie on your ass. Right, so yeah. much against my better judgment because I am not a big movie fan. You've persuaded me that tech in movies is something we need to talk about. Yeah, I think well, mobile phones and technology in movies, I think, is something we should actually look at. And if you think of all the different movies with iconic technology, I'm thinking communications devices, I think the market is moved on sometimes by the right movie with the right type of technology being shown. And I think it'd be useful for us to go through the movies in our catalogues, in our minds, and explore the types of technology that was used. So I'd like to kick us off Well, just before when, you, you're, when you're ready. Just right? before you do, though, yeah, 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 I yeah. just want to make a quick plea. that If you've just listened to that and thought, oh, dear, I, I'll turn this off, uh, we are going to come to ways to watch movies on mobile in a minute. But first of all, we're going to talk about the movies themselves. Well, I, I have a challenge for every listener, right, If who has watched a movie can you remember a movie that had a phone or something in it that is memorable? And I'm pretty sure you can. And we've got a few listener submissions mm. here, but we'll come back to this in future episodes. Yeah. So go on, Rafe Blanford, why don't you kick us off then? Just get the ball rolling. Well, I want to tell you about a very sad story. And this was the okay. opening of the new Star Trek franchise. The reboot of the Star Trek franchise has been fantastic. And uh, you had Jim Kirk driving his stepfather's car. The young Jim Kirk. Indeed. Red Corvette or something like that. And he drove it off a cliff, which was very sad because there was a Nokia phone inside the car. That's right, because the phone rings, doesn't he? He's driving 60 or 70, you know, along this dirt track. Yeah. And I think the phone is ringing and there's a cut to the dashboard and it's got a Nokia logo it, on it. It does. And I really like this. Obviously, means Nokia is going to get back into phones by the time 
the 23rd century uh, mm. rolls round. But, but it wasn't was, a very good image, was it? The Nokia phone and car going over the cliff. Well, I don't really care about the car, but I was a bit concerned about the phone. But mm. you, we, we do know that Nokia phones are indestructible, so presumably while the car was a write-off, the phone was fine. It's interesting, though, that they, they picked a Nokia because if I recall that scene, he's driving what is like a classic car, isn't it? It's supposed to be an old yeah. vehicle, and they've yeah. picked a Nokia phone to be the kind of handset you'd have in an old vehicle. Is there a message there about oh. kind of appreciation <laughs> for classic, out-of-date technology? So but it is interesting to note that actually when this came out, this was a tie-in with the 5800. They had a Star Trek edition of that particular phone, so it could date oh, the see. movie. Yeah, yeah. But just as a general thing, Nokia have been absolutely outstanding about getting their products into films. Now, part of it is product placement. I once had a chance to ask about this. But part of it was also just they were asked to provide the props for free. And by doing that, they would get the products in. Mm. Obviously, for something like the Star Trek one and some of the more famous and more I think, appalling bits of product placement, the uh, X7 in the Transformers film springs to mind. Bad film, bad product placement. But a lot of it, particularly in the TV series, it was just a question of they had a whole bunch of phones that they provided. And actually, that comes down to the current day. And particularly in the UK, you still see a lot of Nokia phones. Because obviously in the States, product placement is quite normal and it's it's acceptable. But actually in the UK, there are pretty strict laws about doing product placement. And I think the rules have changed, but up until quite recently, it wasn't permitted to be paid for as an outright, you know, sort of a consideration has been you know, paid by this supplier, like you see at the end of some American shows. So presumably you just get in with the props guys and give them the free phones and, you know, let nature take its course. Yeah. So you and the whole reason we said we'd talk about this was the fact that we reckoned that there was points where mobile tech and the depiction of either mobile tech or mobile products in films were sort of instrumental to either marking the film out as you know aware and popular or you know clueless or perhaps it even marked a sea change in mobile devices when yes. you start to see stuff so go on give us a few examples well I, I wanted to go back um, to the 1980s late 80s to wall street oh. wall street the movie uh, obviously gordon gecko is on the beach the character that you most aspire to be isn't it with your pinch greed, greed is good <laughs> greed for is lack good. of a better word yeah yeah, yeah i can quote that whole yeah. thing I remember watching that one and thinking, wow, he's got a phone and he's on the beach. There's a ring ring and the Charlie Sheen goes, oh, who's it? And yeah, it cuts to Gordon Gekko standing on the beach, right, without a wire, okay, which is pretty cool at that point. Who, who did you say? Charlie Sheen? Isn't yeah. Wall Street the one with Sheer LaBeouf in it? No, that's the that's a new one. That's the later than... Oh, was there, a, was there one before that? No, this is Wall Street, the original. Oh, right. I think that was before my time. Oh. <laughs> Ralph Bamford playing the I'm Too Young to Remember oh, That Film dear. card oh, early see. on. Right. Very good. Very Strong good. argument. Fine. Right. Okay. But Gecko's using one of those big Motorola brick phone things, a Dyntac, I think it was called, Dyntac 8000. And I remember watching that and going, wow, that is really cool. He's on the beach and you can see the waves and he's busy issuing. Um, so how much were you associating with this Gordon Gecko character? Yeah, and I was just thinking that's a cool image of him on the beach. So the fact relaxing. that he was evil didn't really bother you. He wasn't necessarily evil. There's there's a whole moral to the story, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in that yeah. case, Gordon Gecko is like his wealth and superiority yes, it, is marked out by having yes, a cell phone. It was amazing that he had that. He was showing off because he was standing on the beach with this phone. He could have easily been in his, I presume, some beach apartment that's got a phone in it. But he was standing on the beach with his phone, and I think that the, the, the scene the, was quite iconic. The, the phone becomes a narrative part of the story, and it's a shortcut for telling you about the character and what his kind of values are. But and he, that's how it's used an awful lot. But later on, so if we just jump back, we were talking earlier Cloverfield, and uh, I, I, yes. I kind of 
just about, you know, I've watched it, but it's on a plane probably. The whole story behind Cloverfield is that, uh, that all this footage is shot on a mobile phone. Yes. And so we've moved from having smartphones back in the 80s mm. as being a signifier of that kind of person being special to where phones are so commonplace so and so, so available that actually it's entirely reasonable that a whole movie's worth of story could be recompiled from mobile devices. Ah, but, and even the clueless script writers, because this always used to annoy me when you know the smartphone depicted seems to have a battery life of you know months, in Chlorophyll in particular, when the disaster is beginning to unfold, do you remember the scene where they run over to a mobile phone shop and get batteries for their Nokias? Oh, no, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I, I, that must have been product placement. They must have had to actually pay a lot of money for that. It's, oh, I, I must quickly go and put some more batteries in my phones. Well, that's the trade-off between reminding customers that batteries run out and wanting to get your brand in the movie. Well, and also trying to demonstrate that that's why we have a whole you know, 120 or 140 minutes worth of footage captured by these phones that... Normally, if you remember uh, these Nokia smartphones at a time, when you were doing a lot of video footage, the battery would drain pretty quickly. All right. Look, this feels to me like an opportunity to do a few worst movie kind of things, a few movie crimes. And I want to offer up a first one. Now, I have to say, look, for their sins, I love the James Bond movies. Pure pure nonsense escapism. No, I'm sorry. You can't say this is a bad example. I know which one you're going to choose. No, there's quite a lot of choice. No, no, no. So Tomorrow Never Dies. (gasps) Yeah. You can't call that out as a bad example. It's the That's best got line Pierce Brosnan in it. It's got Q in an Avis outfit. What's he, the best line in the... No, no, go on, you can well, do that. No, no, I don't know. I want to know what he says. I can't remember the line. That Fair enough. This, this is totally, That's the one with the best line in the... What? This no, is edifying for the listeners. But, that's the yeah. best phone use. But James right. Bond drives a BMW car, if memory serves, correct yes. me if I'm wrong, because yes. uh, you know, drives a BMW car... The 7 with, Series. With a, yeah, 7 Series, a big car around a car park just using his finger on a touchscreen Sony Ericsson. Ericsson phone. It was a prototype R380, which was the first Symbian smartphone. And that was the one with the flip-out keyboard that kind of gave you a full capacitive touchscreen, if memory serves. And I looked at that, and I looked at the video quality on the phone, and I looked at the responsiveness, (laughs) and I looked at him throwing a two-ton car around, just thinking... This is now gone, you know, kind of beyond the bounds of possibility. But that, that was cool because it was showing the way technology could go. Yeah, but even, Wasn't it BMW that just recently did a thing where the, the car will park itself from an app? That's now entirely possible with uh, current technology. And you're, See, that's, that you're going to complain no, about no, something. I have, yeah. to, I have to call you on that. What? Whilst in theory it's now possible to have high-definition video streamed to a phone, you still don't have consumer devices in people's hands that will be capable of oh, getting of getting almost. video getting video feedback and, and you know, driving a vehicle. And that's not that difficult now. I'm sorry, Ben, but yeah, you said consumer old. devices. Since when has James Bond used a consumer device? Exactly. And more to the point, Ericsson. this is James Bond we're talking about. Yeah. He's clearly going to be much better at using a smartphone to control his car than you well, are. Well, that's my nomination for Beyond the Pale Award. <laughs> going to get James Bond it's surely got to be the vanquish with the invisible car in the last Brosnan film well, anyway let's yeah. not get into that you know the Jason yes. Bourne movies I often find they're better than James Bond ones um, <laughs> it's sacrilege are, are you a Bond fan Blanford I do like James Bond yeah I didn't know that well actually Ralph uh, Blanford's house looks a lot like Skyfall doesn't it you know, as you drive down into the valley and that is a good point well, that's yeah. what about the lake state. that's the Scottish estate oh, right, fine. okay so the first born movie I think no it was the second born movie I think Rafe do you remember the, the Nokia the baddies from Central they're trying to track down Bourne they walk into this kind of office and they, they know he's there well, one of them's filming with a Nokia N93 I think it is mm-hmm. is it 93 yeah 
And that footage, of course, is, is going real time up to the screens in Langley, uh, which I thought, <laughs> as if, you know, on your e-network, no way. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting that they were using that technology at that point. I like seeing these phones being used properly. Obviously, we have to make believe in the connection speed and so on. That was a good use of technology. All right. The only movie that's made me want to buy a phone. So like even okay. e- even James Bond. Oh, it's going to be the Matrix, isn't oh, it? I don't blame my cover. But even James Bond didn't make you want to buy an Ericsson, right? Because it just no, annoyed me no. how ludicrous like no. the storyline was. So predictable. But so the Matrix movie. But the thing was, in the movie, they had a Nokia 8110. I mean, they were already beautiful phones, weren't they? And that was the metal one. So the banana phone. No, so the, in the movie they showed a smaller kind of one yeah. where the body of the phone would slide down and the inside the, the piece that was exposed yeah. was the handset. They then promoted the movie with the 7110, which was the banana phone, and it had the sprung loaded. Oh, that was you press the thing and it would go and, sh- and the, 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 yeah. the handpiece would... Operator. The, the 8110 in the movie actually had a custom piece added to it. And then it was you know, so popular that the 7110 kind of got, I don't think it got modified, but then came out later. And it was actually a more advanced phone because it had a WAP browser on it. I remember, ah. it, I remember it well. But that was the first and yeah, probably one of the few films that actually made me want to go out and buy the tech. Well, it was weird that the fold out or the, the sprung loaded piece. Do you think is that, is that, the, uh, that must be the holy grail for product placement? Yeah, if you can actually position your device, that people go, ah, oh, I don't want, I want to buy that. Just as you say that, Ben, I like yeah. that. Well, you then had Samsung follow up in the sequel film with their own Matrix phone, and it just didn't work in the same no, way because it didn't capture the, same, the, the popular imagination. So we do some future gazing. So which films have you seen that you reckon really gave a view of something that would you know, subsequently be available or invented? Well, I've already mentioned Star Trek, but... Yeah, yes, you have to do that mention. The, the communicator yeah. was actually so far ahead of its time in predicting the kind of... even the, It's the the still the model, isn't it? If you think about the context of when that was first created back in the 60s, actually quite incredible that it was so precedent mm, in that mm. sense. I can't think of a film that really makes me go, oh, wow, that's now the future technology, apart from something like Minority Report, which, again, it was actually a Nokia placement and it was a flip phone, which got it slightly wrong. But it was the way that communication and interaction on an individual personalized level for kind of the advertising yes. through retina recognition had become all pervasive actually wasn't that far off with where we're heading towards at the moment with kind of personalized advertising and that sense that you know you're never disconnected from this surveillance society and also if you think about some of the interfaces that they've done with yeah. you know the screens disappearing and all being projected in mm. holograms i think actually that is probably a movie i'd pick out as something the futurologists were obviously consulted on and seemed to have done pretty well on. I've got another one for you. If I say TNG, what does that stand for? The Next Generation. They are just checking, Trekkies. Do you know in Star Trek, The Next Generation, they all watch on these tablets. The pads, yes. The pads, I think that has played a, a significant part in helping with the iPad and tablets today. Yeah, I guess so. I, I suppose... You looked at it and you thought, oh, that's just a clipboard. But actually now if you look at people walking around, particularly in office environments yeah. or job, perhaps job sites or whatever. Where well, it wasn't a clipboard. There were small ones, you know. Yeah, but they, they, they just tapped them, wouldn't they? In the day, they said people carry clipboards around now or, or folders full of paper. Yeah. And it was like the electronic one of those. So it kind of felt realistic. And actually, uh, we asked this question on Twitter just before a recording and Tim Green responded. And this is a great one. I had not I had completely forgotten about this. But he pointed Mobile out, money revolution, Tim so, Green. Uh, yeah, at Tim Green 64 pointed out that, of course, back in 1987, Robocop had an app 
on what looked on a mobile device that looked for all intents and purposes like Google Maps. Mm. And of course, it's just completely obvious now that you'd have navigation on portable devices. I mean, Rafe was talking about in the in previous episodes yes. about uh, ordnance survey maps now, you know, being able to download. How much I wonder if, you know, the creators of Google Maps have drawn from things like that. It's just the idea where you can actually see it was technically impossible, but actually when you look at the films, and particularly when you look back now, it actually seems entirely reasonable and entirely realistic. I think just the way that communication has become widespread, we saw that in a lot of films going back, but also this idea of the kind of personal computer in your pocket. And mm. If I was going to pick out one device, it would be uh, the Communicator series. And again, oh, it's not communicators. One. But right back to films like The Saint, and I think that was the 9000. Great soundtrack as well. And then various other films have mm. had the Communicator in the... Terminator 3 had the 9210, but uh, Ben, I think you've got a oh, this is my, communicated this is, gone wrong story. This is my favourite one. So this is one, another one of my nominations for bad uses of mobile tech. Um, as you'll know, uh, obviously, apparently, I am a big Kaylee Rowland and Cisco fan. You know, as you can imagine, mm. I, am, I am completely into the R's and the B's. With it. Yes, indeed. I'm down with the kids. And I love this one. It, it actually came up on a TV show recently, which reminded me about it, but... There's a music video back from 2002, Kelly Rowland and Nelly, and they're sending each other messages backwards and forwards on their phones. And Kelly Rowland is using a very poorly product-placed Nokia communicator. And there's a fantastic screenshot where the message she's just received has been typed into the spreadsheet application and the cells and the references and all of that, <laughs> that stuff is displayed oh on the screen there. I love this because I was just searching and I found this tweet from somebody called John Barker that says, thanks, Facebook. Now I'm aware that Kelly Rowland tried to text Nelly in the dilemma video using Microsoft Excel. Well, it wasn't Excel, but it was a spreadsheet nonetheless. And that is just clumsy and lazy. I just wanted to give a shout out to Jared McAvoy as well, who also mentioned Batman and the 5800. Oh, yes. And similarly, like me, incredulous that this crappy resistive touchscreen phone will be used. I want to talk about burner phones. That idea is ubiquitous. The wire, do you reckon? That, oh, that yeah, I think became... so that needs to be mentioned. Yeah. yeah, and I think we have to give credit to one of our listeners, Joseph Allen, who uh, tweeted about this with regard to burner phones in Breaking Bad and uh, being able to snap them in two. And he says, quite rightly, try doing that with a modern day fondle web. So, yes, that's a good one. But actually, the idea of phones and sort of criminal investigation, the idea that you can download loads of information off the phone. Now, actually, you can do that, mm. but sometimes it was rather abused, the, uh, quite what you could find out. But Gee, these days there's all kinds of location information. Well, now it's relevant, yeah. Doing the forensics on a phone can actually crack a case wide open, and we've seen that actually in Sherlock and a number of BBC police procedurals. And actually, yeah, before we move on, so there's two things. One is the burner phones piece. So I was watching a, a BBC drama series the other day called The Interceptor. Mm. It's a mediocre kind of police drama, you know, primetime kind of stuff. And the whole plot line is just littered with people using disposable phones and their lack of traceability being a really key part of the plot. Right. And that seems really technical point now, you know, the technical complexity of finding a phone that's not registered. And yet there it is, you know, kind of nine o'clock and a midweek, you know, primetime BBC show. The public now accepts burner phones as an idea. They don't even need explaining to them. Are they thinking they're a dress book or not? No, these are drug dealers who are, you know, they're, they're listening into the calls, but they don't know who's got them. And they we all know the phone numbers. Yeah, yeah. But I, I wanted to come back to Sherlock because before we wrap this, yes, this yes. reminiscence piece up, for me, one of the biggest things I hate about seeing mobile tech in films is how boring it is. It used to be great because you'd see people kind of 
pull the aerial out of their foe, put it up to their ear, and it was this really big kind of dramatic you had to, that's gesture. to make it work. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but it also, it kind of... I'm going to phone uh, someone. Yeah, the whole way Flip. they did it told you, like, how they felt about the call, you know, or the happy or sad, and, oh, pushing the aerial back in, you know. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but Sherlock, the BBC reboot the series, shows the messages and the conversation back-to-back in these kind of Feeling big, in and illuminated and, yeah. kind of graphics yeah. that come up over the screen, and it's almost like the person on the other end of the phone is a character there having a conversation on the screen and it you know i'm so sick of watching tedious shots over a character's shoulder like we were filming a phone review you know back yes. in the bad old days of, oh, you know, old just old kind days. of this little piece of glass framed in the middle of a frame that's got you know kind of it's very difficult to shoot a mobile phone because it doesn't take up enough screen space mm-hmm. you know it was just fantastic use and it really it was probably the only drama that's done anything creative with mobile tech in terms of the way that it drives the story it's a good call and actually i want to bring in another example which which is actually Modern Family, which did an entire episode that was just a screencast of someone's laptop as they were doing various things on the website and they were calling people on FaceTime and various other uses. Now, it wasn't particularly mobile, but it was a way of showing off the diversity of tech and that entire episode was based around that. I think that's quite a few examples and we'd love to hear what the listeners oh, uh, yes. think. You what must are have your favourite yeah. abuses? But I would like to see iconic moment suggestions. So whatever you think, I think there's a few candidates there for real howlers, but there's also a few where it's just a fantastic part of a storyline and you forget that it's mobile tech. It's now ruining all kinds of movie plots. I mean, think about Psycho. That would never happen now because you'd look it up on TripAdvisor, you pulled up to the motel and say, you know, <laughs> yeah, mother never if. seen, slightly dirty and suspicious. And there's all these movie plots that are basically totally ruined yeah, by mobile phones. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the Titanic, you know, use Google Maps to avoid the iceberg now. <laughs> That's it. You get a dark sky alert, you Icebergs are 60% likely. Oh, we're going left. Oh, no. Exactly. There is a whole episode of movies that will be ruined by phones. We'll come back to that one. I love, I love that idea. I wanted to talk quickly about how we're watching these movies on mobile. Mm. And being a British person, I, we don't want to bang on about the BBC too much. But for, BBC, but, yes. But for me, BBC <laughs> iPlayer, which is their online streaming service, is yes. the gold standard in TV and film distribution. A couple of reasons. No login, no fee. Uh, works online, works offline. You know, it's just absolutely seamless. And it's because... It's funded a, by the license player, okay, no so fee. Because it's funded by yeah. a TV license, and I don't really want to get into if that's right or wrong, but no, because no, it is no. funded that way, yes. and they're not driven by the need to monetize. The only thing they don't have sometimes is things that they do show on television, which they don't have the streaming or the online distribution rights for. But with that slight fly in the ointment, it's just how you'd like a service to be. Just use it. No barriers, no adverts, nothing. And it's absolutely fantastic. And I think having added offline movie watching made me realize like I can't believe that services like Netflix, certainly in the UK and I don't think in the States, no. offer an offline viewing. It's still streaming. It's really annoying. And it's amazing to think that iPlayer can be anything up to 50% of the UK's broadband usage, uh, depending on the time of day and the sort of day of the week and the context there. I mean, it, it speaks to how much video uses, but also how popular iPlayer is. It's doing millions of streams per week. Did so. you see that they, they launched Peter Kay's latest thing on yeah, the, they're, iPlayer? Yeah, they're now, now actually putting things on iPlayer as kind of the exclusives uh, ahead of time. And Channel 4 has done the same sort of thing and showing the episodes kind of a week ahead on demand. And it's interesting, 
that for some people that's become the main way they watch TV. And I certainly think about the way I, don't I watch, watch anything live anymore. On, on demand. Absolutely. But it is worth, I think, maybe going through some of the other options. And you mentioned Netflix there, Ben. I think actually there's kind of a class of watching movies that have already been out of the cinema or indeed TV episodes. And actually we could probably put Amazon Prime into this yep, as yep, well yep. as distinct for kind of streaming services that are, if you like, real time or shortly afterwards. You know, you get a great catalogue selection, but I think the industry is still not terribly caught up with this because sometimes you don't get some in the catalogue or they disappear yeah. after one. It's very annoying if you go back and try and watch something that you watched before you thought was there and it's no longer there because yeah. it's been removed. You know, rights usage is the big thing in this. Yeah, certainly I, I'm not a Netflix subscriber, but I do have Amazon Prime, so I've used that from time to time. And it's okay you know, in so much as it will send you a movie, but the whole limitation of being required to stream it makes me feel that, especially for mobile devices, you know, tablets and phones, I'm very unlikely to be in good coverage when I'm on the move for the entire duration of a TV show. I mean, even if I'm watching a 25-minute comedy or something like that. I have yeah. managed to, from Waterloo, watch a full 45-minute episode using your friend's EE, 4G EE connection that it will block out once or twice but it's been doable now I'm assuming that's on Sky Go you and actually this is no, another no, that's, that's actually using Netflix uh, using Netflix yeah. but another category is from the broadcasters in yes. terms of the paid for services and HBO would be an example of this in the yeah. States also Sky Go and it's interesting they will have the option to do both kind of the streaming and in kind of the Sky Go Plus, you know, the offline, you know, download it. Sky Go Extra, I think it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, and you, you kind of get that extra service. But I don't see that as all that different to Amazon and Netflix. It's just more linked to the, the, you can the access broadcast the Sky content. Catalog, yeah. Yeah, catalog, yeah. Um, but where I do think it is different is you then get onto the Apple, the Google, Microsoft. And actually, those are the three big ecosystems where you are effectively a la carte and it's pay to play and you're buying movies outright, or you're choosing one in particular to stream. Now, we do at home, over fixed-line broadband, sometimes rent movies from iTunes. Rent or buy is rent. Generally rent, because yeah. we're not movie buffs, so you know it's yeah. a one-time kind of disposable experience. But I was really amazed that all those big players that Rafe's listed off, where movies are a fundamental part of their ecosystem alongside music, they all still work on the kind of the download model. Even if you rent something, yeah, yeah. you've got to then fully download it. And the closest we've got to kind of an on-demand smart service is allowing you to start playing back the massive download before it's fully downloaded. But it's not adaptive. It doesn't respond to connections, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, well, that shouldn't need to because it's only geared for people with fixed connections. I, I think, you know, that's the problem. Isn't it? And I think Ben's betraying the fact yeah. he lives in the Apple ecosystem here because certainly in the Microsoft world with Xbox video, you can stream and it will be adaptive according to the oh, speed. I and I it. believe the same thing also applies to the Google Play Store as well. Well, there you go. See, I've shown my ignorance, but that upsets me even more because you're right, I do live on the Apple ecosystem and I'm not used to feeling like a third or a fourth class citizen. And, Especially and with it, that watch. And, I, and I, I, do, I do in that particular case. And the distressing thing is that it's clearly not a technical limitation of the platform because other providers using it iOS also devices. Be a, a content rights thing as well. You're allowed to stream it, but yeah. not download so, it. Like, uh, and I should say, you know, I, I use Xbox, and part of the reason for that is it will work across 
my tablets, my PC and my phone and it will resume playing wherever I left it on whichever device I left it on. And if I had an Xbox console, it'd also work with that. And so I th- do think actually the multi-device story is something that's worth thinking about because the kind of decision to watch an entire movie on a mobile device seems unlikely. I mean, TV episodes are more interesting, but I think actually we should get on to the kind of video consumption that does seem to make sense on mobile devices, and that's something like YouTube, the short-form content. That's the elephant in the room, isn't it? It is not it Because if you talk to mobile operators, that is such a substantial amount of network traffic for most mobile operators, particularly in the UK and North America and, and countries like that. They're actually now putting video optimizing technology in their networks just to try and buffer and cache this kind of data you know, within their own networks. A few years ago, I couldn't have imagined that a mobile operator, somebody who I was arguing should just be a dumb pipe and just send me data, would be tailoring you know, the physical way they design their networks to video. And, and we should probably, my mind. probably explain to people what this means is when a YouTube video goes viral, it will go through a million hits in a day. And if you're a network operator, that may mean you're playing that same video maybe 100,000 times across your network. So the savings and actually having a, a copied cache on the edge of your local network start to be quite substantial in terms of the bandwidth being consumed. And and remember, so, remember, Jordan, you should always cache your, your data, not cache it. Thank you. Thank you, is, Ben. Is that how they say it on your way? I've just obviously well, mispronounced that. I'll just hang my head and show no, Rafe, Rafe was trained in but classical technical language. You see, ah. so he learned to say it in the original French. So. I see. I cache, you cache, nous nous cachons, etc. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Um, Les cachets. So, uh, I, I was wondering, you've been so nice to me for this episode, I thought something was wrong. If you do actually genuinely speak French, I'd like to apologise for having butchered your native tongue. But the key thing there is that, as you say, YouTube is just a different beast. Yeah. But from a usage point of view as well, it's got some characteristics that, for me, actually really appeal on mobile because... When you're using lots of apps and things, it's quite uh, labor intensive to go in and check, you know, has there been a new episode of my favorite Mm, show? mm. Can I stream it now? And YouTube has this concept of being able to subscribe to people and things. And actually that subscribers lends itself nicely nicely because it's the the content is just there. It might not be pre-downloaded, but it's in a queue ready for you to watch. And actually I can't wait for mobile apps that aggregate these services together so that I've got a nice single view of all of the stuff that I want to watch ready to go. And as you said, Rafe, you know, because of content rights, you know, the ability to perhaps just say, you need to watch this, otherwise you're going to, you know, I've yeah. missed the last episode of so many shows, you know, just by accident and they've timed out. And I think that river of content concept is really important because it's the reason that Sky and other similar Kind of services are so popular because they're very easy to use in terms of the electronic program guide and what you've downloaded. Mm. But there's no reason why that can't be available on mobile. But just uh, connected to that, I also want to talk about HDMI dongles and very often mobile devices are being used as the source of these. And Chromecast is kind of an interesting example because it actually hands over from the mobile device so you don't use up all your battery, your bandwidth from your mobile device. But the idea that you'll be able to use your mobile as a control element for all these HDMI dongles and it can be just a simple casting thing like Chromecast and there's the Amazon Fire TV stick as well, but also increasingly computers as well. But the control point is increasingly becoming your mobile phone and we've had them as kind of or doing your IR remote. Your watch. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and HTC had put IR Blaster back onto their device and Samsung actually followed suit to kind of enable that kind of remote control or you can do it over Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. So it's just interesting to me that there's actually a fundamental change in the way we're kind of consuming the content. It's becoming very mobile-centric, whichever way you look at it. should also point out now TV, by the way, 
is a really, really nice subscription service from Sky that gives you access to the Sky catalog. So, you know, Sky Atlantic and those, those kind of really cool uh, services. Six ninety nine a month, no well, commitment. Well, you know what's interesting about Now TV is it includes BBC iPlayer, includes Netflix, includes Amazon Prime. It's almost that aggregator I was wishing for, but not quite it, on a mobile. It's not putting it into a single guide, but certainly if you want to get a very easy to use box, and actually I think oh, the so other You're talking one, about the box because you can also download the app. Yes, so there's a box and there's an app. Also available on your Apple TV. It is, and, and Roku is actually another mm. example of this. And now on the Apple TV, it's just the Sky content, but the Now TV box is interesting because it's kind of a very consumer-friendly with a recognized big yeah. brand yeah. providing all these streaming services in one place. And okay, it's then going on to mobile as well. So I don't think we should be too mobile-centric here because actually it will be the control point, but not necessarily the brains. So Rafe Blanford, help me. So just as we work up to my final anecdote before we wrap this episode... When was the Nokia N97 available? I want to say that, that was 20, 2009. Yeah, that's nine. So let, let's say late 2000s before just coming to 2010 then. yeah. Because I just wanted to reminisce the fact that actually one of the first reviews that I did for Ewan McLeod's site when I was writing for SMS Text News back in the day. 2008. Oh, there we go. I'm even thinking it was before that was the N76, which was the candy bar kind of N series phone. I had all this on my N76 because I had a Slingbox and the Symbian Slingbox app. And Um, my Slingbox was at home in front of my DVR. I could watch live TV. Or 3X series. Or all my DVR content over a 3G connection on my tiny, horrible screen of my N76. And it actually, although it was a sort of a clunky, inelegant solution, it gave me access to all of my satellite subscriptions, all of broadcast terrestrial and all of my recorded content. And because I had a TiVo at home, I had predictive recording as well, which was better than the you know DVRs that just record on demand. So I feel like we haven't quite got back to the point where we have that richness of facility, even though you know I had a million boxes and services, they're all plugged together and it was all very fragile. So yeah. Slingbox was absolutely fantastic. And I think 3 was very forward looking to kind of put that package together. And it does seem that was a kind of really neat solution because it was your existing TV package. But I do wonder if we go forward to the future where the, you know, we'll, we'll have those home TV packages. And certainly all of us, I think, have moved away from having big subscriptions based around the TV and actually now make decisions based around wanting it on multiple devices. And that's something that things like Sky Now or yeah. Netflix certainly promote. And, you know, that's the future. Okay, we've got to wrap up because we are right out of time just before we do I wanted to remind you about the competition Ooh, we're running yes. uh, well I said it's more competition it's more of a draw isn't it you just yes, a game of skill yeah, exactly. uh, so then we have some news uh, right here so to celebrate launching our new newsletter which you can sign up for at 361podcast.com the amazing people at tigermobiles.com want to know what you think the best smartphone on the market is. And you can tweet us, you can email us, or you can use the contact page on 361podcast.com to leave us a voicemail and let us know. And if you're also signed up for our newsletter, then we're going to pick one lucky winner to win that smartphone, whichever smartphone they they vote for. And the amazing guys at tigermobiles.com, which is really cool, a price comparison site where you can check out contracts and smartphones. And they've got some exclusive deals on there as well. So if you're thinking of getting a new contract or indeed even just a SIM only, check that out as part of your comparison shopping. They've offered to donate that prize, which is really cool. Very good. Now, 
However, I, you'll, I know you and McLeod, you are thinking, well, that's all well and good, but I've already got the smartphone I want. And, and only one person can win that. And only one person can win that. Mm -hmm. I wish there were some other prizes. And you know what? I'm a business person and I have busy business to do because I'm right. a very important busy business person with business exactly. to do. That's exactly what you're thinking. And yes. I really like paper. I really like printing out my boarding passes for my plane journeys, actually, which is still what I print out. Do you do that? I do. Because he doesn't want to scratch his expensive Apple no, exactly. Watch. No, no, it's, exactly. it's my insurance policy for when none of it works. But don't tell anyone on the podcast because I'll be ridiculed. I think if we're going to ridicule you, we wouldn't be starting there. But anyway, the amazing people at Landtronics make a bunch of gizmos you can plug into your printers it gets them on your home network and the great thing is that you can print from all your mobile devices so if you've already got a printer but it's not air print enabled or something like that it's a really easy way to add those they make them for android and ios and they're giving us two to give away that's right to, to listeners so some more prizes so what you want to do i've is, got them actually uh, right. you've, you've been testing them out have you i haven't opened them oh okay right. well, i was wondering should i test one out well, I didn't really we'll, we'll ask we'll ask if they'll let us have one to have a play with and we'll let yeah. you know how we get on with it but uh I've Keeping really, them good for the winners, is it? Yeah, fantastic. Really good prizes and amazingly generous of them to give them away because uh, it's a great way to print stuff off your uh, tablet if you ever need to. And certainly in my role as a business person, I do still print documents out for people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is a, a fantastic way to get something for home as well. Nice and free prizes. So all you need to do is sign up for the newsletter, get in contact with us any way you like, and uh, let us know what you think your favourite smartphone is. And if you don't win that smartphone, then we've got a bunch of other cool accessories which uh, you could win instead. And just as a ready record, the easiest thing is sign up for the newsletter, then send us a tweet about anything. Send us a tweet. And or, then you're in, Or if you, want to, if you want to hear yourself on the podcast, leave us a voicemail and we'll play those in. We've actually got a whole podcast coming up in a future episode solely based on a voicemail that we got from, uh, from a listener recently, or a couple of listeners recently. And uh, I think they might know who they are if they're listening. Anyways, end the episode. Good to speak to you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. As always, we're going to say some thank yous. Editorial production assistance this week from Emma Krauss. Research assistance from Roland Banks. Recording venues generously provided, as always, by Digitas LBI. And this week's episode is edited and mixed by Mark Cotton, who you can reach at audiorangler.co.uk. Right, guys, thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can comment, subscribe and catch up with previous episodes at 361podcast.com. If you're an iTunes user, we'd be jolly grateful for a five-star review. There's a link and pictures of how to rate the show at 361podcast.com slash rate. Each review makes it lots easier for new listeners to find us. 